chrome That's just what a nigga on Internet clones, got them kissing through the phone Pussies clicking up so they don't feel alone, ayy Man, niggas seeing me, I'm young, money CMB I used to roll with CMG, the house is not a BNB. The bad bitches waiting on a nigga like I'm PND. I'm steady pushing P, niggas pushing PTSD. I told her ass to kiss me. All right, all right, all right. Welcome back, welcome back. You know what time it is. It's another edition of the Fan in the Van podcast time. Oh, what a wild and wacky weekend in the NFL. That <laughs> words can't even describe. How insane it was from the horrible officiating to being on the wrong side of history twice now for Colts quarterback Matt Ryan. How do you, one, let's go back to the Super Bowl, okay? And the Super Bowl, you're up, what, like 28 to 3, going into halftime, and you figure, all right, you know, this lead's safe, you know, let's just, you know, let's just keep playing and whatever. And Tom Brady comes back and doop, 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 and we all know what happens. You know, now let's fast forward, let's say a decade later, and you're playing the and you're playing the Vikings. You know. Saturday football. And you have a 33-0 lead going into halftime. Okay? And what does Kirk Cousins do? And what do the Vikings do? They come all the way back for the biggest comeback in NFL history. And Matt Ryan loses yet again. I don't know about you, but it's time for Matt Ryan to retire. I mean, listen, you're not winning a Super Bowl. You got nothing to prove. You know, you're, you're on a team where, you know, the coach can't win. Uh, even though they're playing for him, Jeff Saturday to me is still not the answer. You know, he wins one game and everybody's like, oh, you know, everybody should, uh, you know, everybody should be taken back what they said. This was a great interim hire, blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Absolutely not. None. Then you have, we'll get into the horrible officiating because it, it was in the Giants commander game. It was in the Bills Dolphin game, which if that Bills Dolphin game, if the fans kept throwing snowballs, I wonder what the NFL would have done. Obviously, they were going to start, you know, throwing 15-yard, you know, penalties on Buffalo. Now, do I think that that's a bit excessive considering the fact the Bills don't control the, what the fans do? Yeah, but somebody's got to pay the price of the fans' stupidity. I get that it snowed a lot in Buffalo, but... You know, to be throwing snowballs at players trying to score. Eh, yeah, exactly. Uh, it just doesn't work out well. Um, but, you know, the, the, the craziest ending to all the games this weekend was Jacoby Myers just casually just lateraling it pretty much right to Chandler Jones of the Raiders and him just putting Mac Jones not only on the ground, practically through the fucking thing. And to, to think that somebody actually won a $3 million parlay because that's how the game ended. It, it didn't have to be that exact way. It was just a matter of Vegas winning and the fact that that's how it had to happen is it, just beyond me. Um, you know, the Giants obviously pulled off a big win, but it doesn't come without controversy. You know, to me, I'm sorry. That's pass interference in the end zone. 
the ref throwing the flag on McLaurin to make sure he was lined up properly. The, you know, the ref gives him the go-ahead, and then he purposely throws the flag. You know, you have the jet line game. There was a few calls where it, with Garrett Wilson exclusively where it should have been called, you know, pass interference. They don't call it. And that's not the reason why the Jets lost the game, though. You know, Garrett Wilson could tell Zach Wilson that all day long. Bottom line is this. Zach Wilson is just not a confident quarterback. You know, he did have some decent throws out there, but decent, just a few decent throws, good clock management. You know, all that ain't gonna win. Ain't gonna win you a game. You know, bottom line is this: what it mattered most, the Jets' offense got outplayed by the Lions' offense. I mean, you know, you could sit there and say it's the same old Jets, but. You know, the question remains, going into the offseason for the Jets, who's going to be the quarterback next year? I don't see how you honestly go back to his, I mean, obviously Zach Wilson's probably going to start the remaining, you know, two, three games, whatever's left at this point. And, you know, because obviously you don't want to put Mike White in any danger. You know, the, the kid's got a promising career. So you don't want to put him out there like that. But... If you're telling me that next season and after the draft and you're and, and, and you're a Jet fan that you would be acceptable with Zach Wilson being trotted back out there for the same result, a barely sub-500 team with all the talent that it's got, I'm sorry, but no. You know, and, and it's, kind of, it's kind of the same thing with the Giants. If you look at the Giants... And it's not to bash them, but they're pretty much the most mediocre, like, 8-6-1 team you've ever seen. I mean, yeah, Barkley's back to being healthy, obviously. But they're missing a number one wide receiver. And everybody's sitting there, you know, when's Odell going to sign? When's Odell going to sign? And I'm so tired of this getting dragged out. Bottom line is this. I'm going to burst the bubble. He ain't fucking signing nowhere. Because he would have done it already. I don't even think he knows where he wants to go. I think he just wants to keep his name relevant. So that way, when the time comes, it's this huge ordeal. And Jerry Jones can come out there and can, and can say, you know, oh, we're definitely signing him. We're definitely signing him. You know, oh, it, it, it's a done deal. It's in the bag. Why don't you worry about beating the Jaguars first? Why don't you try that one? Because Skip Bayless, that fucking douche canoe, okay, on Twitter all the time. Oh, nobody can beat Dallas. Dallas is unstoppable. Dallas this, Dallas that, blah, blah, blah. What happened, Skip Bayless? What happened Sunday? Overtime. In the mo- it, it, when you need your, your overpaid quarterback to make the biggest play to keep you from losing, he does the exact opposite. Throwing the most dangerous pass in a situation where he should have just thrown it away. But no, he throws a pick six and they lose, which in essence kind of helps out. It kind of helps out the Eagles more, you know, and when you look at Philly, now you have Jalen Hurts that's injured and there's been a lot of, is it Jalen Hurts that's making the Eagles look so unstoppable or is it the the team surrounding Jalen Hurts that's making them look unstoppable? But wouldn't you think they both go hand in hand? I mean, in, in, in all fairness. Jalen Hurts is just as much of the Eagles' success this year as the whole team is on both sides of the ball. So 
it's both of them. And honestly, you know, and they're talking about this on ESPN last night before the before the Rams Packer game. And they're talking about now that Hurts is, you know, Hurts is hurt. Um you know, does that open the door clearly for the MVP? You know, who who the MVP is going to be? <sighs> to me, no. I think it's still Jalen Hurts, to be honest with you. And, you know, and, and you know, to bring up my team for a second and big whoopity-doo, they won on Sunday. You know, whatever. It's pretty much, you know, well, I'll get into that in a minute. But... When you think of what Jalen Hurts is doing in Philly, he could have been doing that in Pittsburgh, and we already would have had this problem solved. But, you know, speaking of the Steelers, you know, they were interviewing players like Deontay Johnson, like, oh, you know, how do you feel that this may be Coach Tomlin's first losing season? And they said, this is a big thing for us, and we're fighting to make sure it doesn't happen. I got an idea, and I don't know, I must be the only Steeler fan who thinks this. Why don't why didn't you guys play with this much heart and dedication for a winning season as opposed to I don't know say a playoff spot and maybe I don't know dare say go to the Super Bowl I don't know I'm just putting it out there because to me I don't think it really matters if Tomlin has a winning season or a losing season the you know people could sit there and the rumors are that you know and 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 this rumor's been going on I think for almost a decade now where Tomlin's going to get traded to the Carolina Panthers for two first round draft picks Listen, it's not happening. Okay? The Roonies are committed to Tomlin for as long as Tomlin wants to coach. Tomlin's going to tell the Steelers when he's done coaching. And Mike Tomlin's going to tell the Steelers when he's stepping down. It's not going to go the other way around. So, for, for you fans that sit there and you think that Tomlin's the problem because he's lackadaisical or whatever you want to call him, it's not, yeah, Tomlin's part of the, Tomlin has to take accountability for the fact that, you know, the Steelers haven't done anything in the playoffs for quite some time, and they've had teams to get to go all the way with, don't get me wrong, but this season, it's just really on, it's really on the offensive coordinator, horrible defense at times, and when you think about it, at the end of the year, the Steelers are going to make the necessary changes that need to be made on both sides of the ball, in the front office, you know, as far as the coordinators go. Um, and I was talking with a buddy of mine, and they said that they should make Flores the defensive coordinator. I'm all for it. And honestly, if the, if the Cardinals, you know, all rumors are that the Cardinals are going to probably let go of Cliff Kingsbury at the end of the year. If they do that, I would bring him in as the offensive coordinator. I mean, it's going to cost you a pretty penny, but... I mean, I'll bring him as the offensive coordinator. I've read where Steeler fans want to bring him in as the head coach. And, you know, and, and, and this comes from, from people that, oh, well, look at him. He's good looking. He would, he would look great in black and gold. Listen, ladies, let me tell you something. It ain't all about how the coach looks or how the player looks. It's about how they execute and perform. Kind of like sex in a bed, all right? It doesn't matter how good looking you are, how big it is, as long as you know what you're doing and how to do it and blah, 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 and yada, yada, yada. All right? That, that's it. That's it. I don't need a coach on my team because I want to hear, you know, a, a, a you know a group of friggin' women go, he's so cute. Let me get out my rose vibrator and play with myself during this game and just pause it on Cliff Kingsbury and just erupt like Mount Vesuvius. Okay, no, I don't want to hear that bullshit. Um, you know, but getting back to the Colts for a minute, it, it's, it's 
I, I just don't get how you have a 33 nothing lead and you just blow that lead and Colts fans like, well, Jeff Saturday's the coach of the future. I don't, I don't understand that. I, I don't grasp how, how Jeff Saturday is the guy. I understand, you know, he's trying to be a player's coach and maybe he's trying to change the, you know, the mentality there and the culture and good for you, but you've got no experience coaching other than high school. And you weren't even that great at that. You know, I, I, I don't know. See, to me, honestly, the Colts are just a huge mess. And, you know, and, and they got a lot that they got to fix in the offseason. Obviously, we know this, you know, from the quarterback to the coach to whoever else. I mean, now Jonathan Taylor's out the rest of the year. You know, he busted up the same ankle that he's been hurting for half the season. So, you know, we'll wait and see as far as that goes. But to jump off the NFL for a bit, and you want to talk about jackass moment of the year. And there's been several. But this one takes the cake. How do you catch ball number 62? Home run number 62. You're offered $3 million for it. Okay. And you go, nah, I'll take it to an auction house and make $1.5 million less. Only a jackass could do that because if you offered me $3 million, and I understand, you know, you, you look at that ball and you go, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers took, you know, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Judge bet on himself and it panned off. I'm going to bet on myself and it's going to pan off. There's a huge difference. You're not 6'7". And built like a brick. Okay, you're like five foot nothing with a mind of a douche. Okay, because if you had offered me $3 million straight up, I would have taken it. Because how many people honestly would have bid more than $3 million on that baseball? In an auction house. Granted, okay, Aaron Judge is the first one to, to hit over 61 home runs and however long. But... In the eyes of everybody, technically, it's Barry Bonds. See, to me, honestly, I don't think it's Barry Bonds because if you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, then we can't acknowledge the records he's broken either then. Because if you're not going to acknowledge him as a Hall of Famer, then you can't acknowledge the records. And and that's just my opinion. And I know there's going to be a lot of feedback on this. And I I welcome it because I want to hear what people think. I honestly think... You know, when it comes to Barry Bonds, you could put him in with an asterisk next to it, or you could put him in pre-steroid era. And I've said that about Clemens. You could do it pre-steroid era, and you could put Barry Bonds in as a pirate, and you could put Clemens in as a Red Sox. Bottom line. But if we're going to, if but if they're not going to ever put either or in the Hall of Fame, well, then not for no, when it comes to the home run record, then Major League Baseball shouldn't acknowledge it then. In which case, and I'm not saying because it's Aaron Judge, but I'm saying the point is that if you're not going to put him in the Hall of Fame, then don't acknowledge the records. Granted, you granted, you know, they're not going to do what the NCAA does where you violate something and they and they and you know and they relinquish the championship that you won, but we all remember that they won it though, you know, regardless of the team. But if we're not going to acknowledge that Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer and should be in the Hall of Fame, 
then I'm sorry. How do you sit there and say that he's the home run leader? You know, you know that he's the home run king. And then Hank Aaron's record was never broken. Then and then McGuire, McGuire and Sosa. There's another prime example. If you're not putting them in, well, then you can't acknowledge that record either. So guess what? It's still 61. Aaron Judge broke it by one. So technically, it would be Aaron Judge is the is the is the home run king. I'm I'm just saying, and that's in my and that's in my opinion. I know there'll be feedback on it, so I'm curious to hear what what other Yankee fans think, or just what other baseball fans think in general. And, and speaking of the Yankees, so you know, obviously we get the guy, we get Carlos Rodon, and then I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the list of free agents, and now that from what I'm hearing, they're still interested in Nathan Avaldi. Now, does that mean that? Maybe Frankie Montas gets moved to the bullpen. Or do they go with a six-man rotation if they pull the trigger on this? And then I'm thinking about, you know, how can we get rid of Josh Donaldson? Well, the answer was pretty simple, and I even forgot that this guy was a free agent, is Justin Turner, formerly of the Mets and then nine years with the Dodgers and happened to play third base. I much rather would have given him what Boston just gave him in two years and $22 million. And I know Justin Turner's older now, but Justin Turner is a lot better of a third baseman and more pop in the bat, in my opinion, than Josh Donaldson. And I'd rather pay $10 million less for two years than what I'm paying this year for Josh Donaldson. And then I hear Yankees fans complaining, you know, we didn't go after Trey Turner. We didn't go after Carlos Correa. Listen, Cashman came out and House came out and they said they didn't see Correa being a fit with them as far as, you know, as as far as, you know, the look and financially, you know, whatever BS excuse they want to give. The bottom line is this. They're invested on Oswaldo Peraza and Anthony Volpe. And the fact that you have both of them for 12 years, okay, six years each, whatever it is, it's the cheaper route for them. And that's what they're looking at. Bottom line, that's what they're looking at is, you know, what's more economical for us, even though we're paying Garrett Cole over $300 million, now you got Judge over $300 million, and now you got, and then you have the Stanton contract. You have three players over three hundred million over the course of multiple years. And when you look at the scope of baseball and the and the whole you know the whole spectrum of it, everything the Padres are doing, everything the Mets are doing, are what the old Yankees used to do. They're going out and getting everybody that they need and paying. Whatever they have to to get them. And the Yankees are kind of now taking the the other approach that the Mets used to take. It's like, okay, well, we'll land the one big guy and then we'll just make mediocre moves. But the Yankees changed that up a bit with with not only keeping Aaron Judge and giving him a long-term deal, but also getting Rodon. But I don't feel confident still going into this season with... What this lineup is with having IKF and Donaldson and Hicks. We obviously lost Ben Attendee to the White Sox, and that came down to 
honestly, Benatendi wanted five. The Yankees were, were willing to go four. And I don't understand why you just don't do, listen, we'll give you four and we'll have a mutual a mutual fifth-year option. And that probably would have kept him here. Because if you're, because if you're Hal and Cashman, you're really going to, you're really going to sit there and you're, you're fine with trotting out Aaron, I'm injured every other day, Hicks. Or Josh, I smile, I smile and I smile and laugh while I'm striking out in the big moments, Donaldson. Or I can't throw it past second base, IKF. If you're confident with that, the same result's going to be what's going to be. ALCS sweep. You know, and people are forgetting that, you know, LeMahieu is going to be back. He doesn't need surgery on the toe. It's just a matter of, of healing. So maybe DJ is the everyday third baseman. You know, because you could play LeMahieu anywhere in the infield. So maybe LeMahieu is the everyday third baseman and Donaldson somehow is just eventually off this team somehow, you know, and the rumors were, you know, and Brendan mentioned how, you know, how I was talking about, you know, the big moves that could be happening. There was, besides to the one I heard about Tatis, and again, that's, that's an iffy one because of where I'm hearing it from. I'm hearing it from some legitimate sources and in some I'm hearing from not so legitimate, but another one I heard, and I don't think this is accurate at all, and if he didn't sign with us when he was posted from Japan, then I don't think he would be. I don't think he would accept a trade here, and that's Shoatani. Now, I've seen a package that could get him here, but for Yankee fans that actually believe it's going to happen and doing these hypothetical trades, I saw one where it was a three-team deal with the Angels, the Padres, and the Yankees. And this made no sense from the standpoint that what the Yankees were trading, two of the guys aren't even on this fucking team anymore. There was this hypothetical trade was so erroneous. It was so asinine and retarded. It was beyond me. It was literally, it was literally, we got like every great player from, from the Padres and the Angels where we got Otani and Mike Trout and, and Machado and Juan Soto and, the Angels got this, and the Padres got that, and we were trading. Uh, we, we were trading. Uh, freaking what the hell? Clint Frazier and uh, Miguel Andujar, and meanwhile, these guys haven't been on the team in a year. So how are we trading guys that aren't even on the team? And this is what I hate with with, with, with Major League Baseball's offseason when it comes to people that that just talk out of their ass. You come up with these hypothetical trades and where the Yankees get everybody and the Padres and the Angels are accepting bottom-of-the-barrel players? Come on. Come on. But, you know, when it does come to, you know, the big news and, and what I hear, I try to make sure it comes from a legitimate source. You know, obviously... Anybody could write an article on Facebook and everybody would believe it. I could go on Facebook 20 minutes after posting this on Twitter and then putting it in a good pods group chat on Twitter. And I could go write an article about uh, how I was walking down the street last night, let's just say. You know, I, I went for a, a late night stroll and I was smoking my Rocky Patel cigar and a UFO came down and fucking E.T. came with his finger glowing and he said, you know, Jim... Shawatani come to Yankees. And I could write an article about that. 
and people would eat it up. People would eat it up. That's why when you do uh, when you do anything involving sports, you have to make sure it comes from a legitimate source. You know, obviously when Michael K said the Yankees are working on something big, I'm going to tend to side with Michael K because Michael K has a lot of connections within the Yankees. Hell, he fucking works for them. He works for the Yes Network. Obviously, he knows people within the Yankee organization that are going to get a little chatty and say, oh, hey, you know, Michael K, you know, I'm hearing that, uh, you know, we're going into Fernando Tatis, but uh, don't say the name, but just put it out there, big move, okay? You know, I'll give you something to talk about on your show there on uh, ESPN, all right? You don't think he's going to fucking blab that out? I mean, he's not going to say who it is. Obviously, it's going to be us speculating who it is, and the, the, biggest, the big name that everybody could think of was Fernando Tatis, and that's how all that started. And I mentioned how if we were going to trade for Tatis, I wouldn't give up anything. But if you think about it, the Yankees are going to give up something. And if you don't want IKF, Hicks, you know, and Donaldson, and I said it last week, you know, so I'll repeat it again. You trade them off to get Tatis. You take Tatis's deal, and then the Padres just pay off whatever's left to Donaldson. They pay IKF's $1 million this year or $6 million, whatever the hell it is, okay? And then you pay off whatever Hicks's deal, which ain't that much, probably like $20, 30000000 million left out of a seven-year deal, and you, and you just be done with it. And then you could, put, you could put Tatis in left field, which originally was San Diego's plan to begin with. So, you know, but I got to jump back into the NFL for a few minutes. And obviously this weekend is Christmas and one of the biggest highlights in history will be honored and that is the 50-year anniversary of the Immaculate Reception by none other than number 32, Franco Harris. And of course it's against the, the Vegas We Overpay Everybody Raiders. And I'm really hoping... With Franco Harris there and probably half that team, I don't know if Kenny Pickett gets the nod. And honestly, I don't think you, I don't think you start Pickett the rest of the year. I think you let him just kind of heal up. But I think because of history, they'll start Kenny Pickett. And I'll say it now: I think the Steelers pull the upset because they managed to always pull off an upset on Christmas, Christmas Day, Christmas Eve. We all remember. And I'm sure my buddy Brandon remembers it. And you know what game I'm going to mention. I think it was either Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Because there's more than one immaculate in Steeler history. There's an immaculate extension that also happened around Christmas time. And that was with Antonio Brown against the Ravens. So, you know, nobody thought the Steelers could pull that game out. And they did. And I have a feeling Christmas, you're going to see something magical in the, in the, in the area code of the 412. And that's just what that's going to be. And speaking of the Ravens, I, I listen, I can't root for any other team in the AFC North than the Steelers. Like Sunday, the Bengals-Buccaneer game, what, Tom Brady was, what, 89-0 and before, you know, 89-0 and when leading by 17 going into halftime. And then to come back and lose that game, 
And let's just call it what it is. Cincinnati's defense got to Brady when they needed it, and they made Brady make the mis- they made him make the mistakes that they needed him to make. And then Burrow took advantage of them. And even in that game, there was a, there was a lot of you know there was some missed calls and you know and, and the NFL really does have a problem on its hands because how is it in some games it's flags galore and in other games it's just like nope we're not calling anything and it's like and then the same referees from one game will be calling a game the following week and what they didn't call the one week they're calling the following week I I just don't grasp it but. You know, I don't get how the Ravens and, you know, there's Ravens fans out there. Like, every fan base, well, you know, we didn't have Lamar. and But it, it doesn't matter because Tyrone Huntley is a decent backup to, to Lamar Jackson. And, you know, I, I've, I've heard a lot of people that are Ravens fans, you know, sit there and say, we have to pay Lamar. This is why Huntley can't get the job done. We lost to friggin', you know, we lost to Massage Parlor Boy and blah, 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 blah. And listen... A broken clock is right twice a day. You know, he, he, you know Cleveland's going to win a game here or there, you know, regardless who the team is. And, you know, but for Browns fans to still sit here and say that they're going to make it to the playoffs somehow, you have the slimmest of chance just like the Steelers have, so you ain't going nowhere. But getting back to Brady and the Bengal game and the, and the Bucks. You know, I got asked, I get asked by people, do you think Brady, you know, now with the rumors swirling about, you know, Brady's a free agent at the end of the, at the end of the season and, you know, does Belichick give him a call, you know, to try to go out on top? And honestly, and th- and this is not because I hate Tom Brady, I just think Brady needs to just walk away. You've seen how You've seen how at this point, okay, there's a changing of the guard in the NFL. Obviously, the Drew Breeses of the NFL, the Ben Roethlisbergers, the Mannings, both Eli and Peyton, you know, the Brett Favres, they're all gone. And we've had to accept that. And these are quarterbacks from my generation that we grew up watching. You know, just like... The older generations that got to watch Bradshaw and Tarkenton and, you know, Frank Gifford and Bart Starr and Starbog and, you know, you know, they, you know, they've come and gone. And Rodgers and Brady, the last two left that need to just hang it up. And you've already seen it. Guys like Mahomes, Burrow, Allen. They're taking over the NFL. Like, that's the next trio of the top three quarterbacks. You know, who knows? Maybe Kenny Pickett could get himself up there at some point. You know, maybe Lamar could get himself there. You know, maybe even Mac Jones can get himself there. But right now, there's a new era in football. When you look at the playoff scope, Aaron Rodgers ain't in it. Brady's only in it because that NFC South is such a shit division you could win it going 0-17 if you wanted to. So, you know, there is a changing of the guard. And honestly, you know, you could tell in that Bengal-Buccaneer game, father time is... And you could tell all season. And you could sit there as a Buccaneer fan or a supposed Buccaneer fan, and you could sit there and say, 
you know, oh, well, you know, we lost key guys in free agency and all, you know, then we've had injuries and blah. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't want to hear that shit because if you're a GOAT, you adapt and overcome regardless of scenarios and situations. Now, if I'm New England, I'm not calling Tom Brady. I'd rather reunite with Garoppolo and get Mac Jones out of here than bring in a guy who's going to be, by the time next season starts, he's going to be, what, 47 almost? If I'm Tom Brady, you risked, you made a self bet with yourself and it didn't work for you. You lost your wife who was banging fucking everybody from fucking Cobra Kai. Okay? Older generation and the newer generation. All right? She was getting fucking DP'd by John Kreese and Terry Silver while you were out throwing fucking pick sixes. Okay? That's it. It's just time to retire. And it's not because of my hatred for him. Don't get me wrong. When you write, when you write the history of the NFL as far as from my generation, everybody's always going to talk about Tom Brady. But you're always going to talk about the negatives of Tom Brady. And there's positives, don't get me wrong. But we always look at the negatives. And speaking of one of them, and this will coincide with the horrible officiating. So obviously, the tuck rule is one. And then I'm reading on Twitter, there's Patriots fans complaining how the Raiders were given a touchdown that shouldn't have been with Keenan Cole. He was clearly out, (coughs) blah, blah, blah. And I'm sitting there reading, I go, well, ain't this rich? Patriots fans complaining about unfair calls. Meanwhile, you were handed them for 20 fucking years, so shut the fuck up. Okay, we all remember five years ago. Heinz Field, Jesse James, there's still no justice for it, okay? There's one favorable call out of many that that Brady and New England has gotten, okay? So fuck off. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Did the NFL officials, in, in all honesty, did they have an impact on a lot of these games this weekend? They definitely had an impact in the Giant-Commander game. It's not to take anything away from the Giants or to take anything away from the Commanders, but they had, a, they had an impact in that game. Did they have an impact in, in, the, in, you know, in the Raider-Patriot game? Yes, they did. Now, granted, you're supposed to score as many points as you can and keep the other team's offense off the field, but did they have an impact? The answer is yes. Will it be looked at? Yeah. Will we get the answer we want? No. And that's what I leave you with. You know, it just is what it is. The NFL's got a huge problem, and as long as there's sports betting and fantasy football and all this attached to the NFL, and if you look up the NFL, it's listed as entertainment. And what can you do in entertainment? You could script it any way you want. Just like WWE, AEW, TNA Impact Pro Wrestling, just like a modern-day soap opera or any TV sitcom you've watched, past, present, future. It's what it is. But with that being said, I got to take care of some stuff here at work, so I hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Uh, There's countless episodes up now um, on every 
podcast listening sites. So go ahead and check those out. But I got to thank my number one guys at 1420 Sports as always. Uh, my guys at Two Dudes with Sports News. We were actually talking about the whole Matt Ryan thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, there's definitely some good conversation that, that have been had. Um, Average Joe Sports Podcast, definitely check him out. Brutally Honest Sports Podcast, another one. Uh, Nate's Daily Wagers, Level of Playing Field Sports Podcast, check them out. Sports Bliss with Robin Chris is another good one that's out there. Uh, BSing Sports Podcast, another good one that I've, uh, I got to catch up on, but I caught an episode or two here and there, and uh, you know, they're, de- they're a decent one to listen to. Uh, if you're into pro wrestling, John Wrestling Fans Insight is a good one to check out, as well as my buddy Bray White, Fan24, uh, who doesn't get enough credit, I got to say, because he started the whole Good Pods group chat. So, uh, you know, without him, I don't think any of us would have seen the significant increase in, in listenings and followers that we have now. So um, a big thank you to him, as always. Uh, to everybody else who follows and retweets, obviously, it doesn't go unnoticed. Um, so with that being said, I got to take off now. So stay safe and as always, peace.